The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett, and welcome to the 2019 season opening football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring John Bonenkamp, who reflects on the Hawks' 2018 season and Outback Bowl victory, and previews this week's season opening Iowa-Miami-Ohio game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Miami's Chuck Martin. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporters Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, along with award-winning sports writer John Bonenkamp. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy! <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard! 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes open the 2019 football season at home this Saturday under the lights in Kinnick Stadium, hosting the Miami-Ohio Redhawks. Kickoff is set for 6.40 p.m. Iowa finished last season with a record of 9-4 overall and 5-4 and in Big Ten play. It defeated a very good Mississippi State team, 27-22, in the Outback Bowl. The Hawkeyes are 96-32-2 in season openers, including 17-3 under Kirk Ferentz. Iowa has won its last five opening games and are 17-1 since 2001. The Hawks have won eight straight non-conference games over the past two seasons. Miami was 6-6 overall last year, but 6-2 in the MAC. The Red Hawks rank first all-time in the Mid-American Conference in wins, 690, and in conference championships, 15, and in bowl wins with 7. The Hawkeyes lead this series 4-0, including a 45-21 victory at Kinnick Stadium in 2016. Iowa has an overall record of 23-4 against teams from the Mid-American Conference. Iowa is ranked preseason 19th in the coaches poll and 20th in the AP poll. Miami is not ranked, but is picked to finish second in the MAC this year. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is entering his 21st season as the head of the Hawkeyes. He's the dean of college football coaches. His overall record as a head football coach, 164 and 122. At Iowa, his record is 152 and 101. Ferentz has 91 Big Ten wins, which ranks sixth all-time in the conference. Kirk became Iowa's all-time winningest head football coach on September 1st of last season, surpassing the win total of the legendary Hayden Fry. Miami, Ohio head coach Chuck Martin is in his sixth year with the Red Hawks, and his record there is 22 and 39. His career mark as a head coach is 96 and 46, spanning 10 years in college programs. His record in his last 22 MAC games is 16 and 6, which leads that conference. 
In game notes, Iowa junior defensive end A.J. Epinesa will get his first start ever on Saturday. After having a great season last year as a backup, Epinesa led the Big Ten in 2018 and ranked ninth in the nation with 10.5 sacks. His four forced fumbles was second in the conference and 16th in the country. He also blocked a punt, which he returned for a touchdown last season. He's clearly one of the top defensive players in college football, and if he performs up to expectations, he might even become a legitimate Heisman candidate. Quarterback Nate Stanley enters his third season as Iowa's starting signal caller and is steadily moving up Iowa's record books. He started 26 games for the Hawkeyes. He's thrown 26 touchdown passes in each of the last two seasons. His 52 career TDs rank fourth in program history. He threw for a career-high 2,852 yards in 2018 and is ninth in career passing yards with 5,351. The Hawkeyes averaged 29.7 points per game in Stanley's starts. That's fifth in program history and ranks ninth in the country among active college quarterbacks. Iowa's 20 defensive interceptions last season led the conference and was second nationally. Over the past two years, Iowa leads the country with 41 combined picks. Iowa has had at least one pick six in each of the last 11 seasons and in 16 of the last 18 seasons. Starting strong safety Geno Stone tied for the team lead last year with four picks, three of those coming in the fourth quarter of games. The Hawkeyes have two of the best starting offensive tackles in the Big Ten, if not the country. Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson and Iowa's offensive line allowed just 16 QB sacks in 2018. That tied for fewest in the Big Ten. Wide receiver Amir Smith-Marset led the Big Ten and was second nationally last season in kick returns, averaging 29.5 yards on 24 returns. And last but not least, we always like to remind everyone of one of Scott Darterman's favorite stats. With the win over Mississippi State in the Outback Bowl, the Hawkeyes are now 36-4 and when rushing for 100 yards or more in a game over the past four seasons, and just one and 12 when failing to do that. Iowa is also now 15 and 2 when scoring 20 or more points in a game since the start of the 2017 season and just 2 and 7 when scoring less than 20 points during that time. Depth chart notes. Iowa has apparently emerged from its fall camp in a relatively healthy state in terms of the two deeps. The only questionable players for this game are offensive lineman Cole Banwart and tight end Sean Beyer. As of right now, Drew Cook is listed along with Nate Weeding at tight end, and Levi Paulson is slotted as the starting right guard. And if that plays out, Iowa will feature twin brothers as its starting offensive guards for the first time in program history. The other news coming out of the Ferentz Presser on Tuesday Tuesday is that Spencer Petrus is now listed as the backup quarterback to Nate Stanley. Last year's number two, Peyton Manzel, is now number three. Graduate transfer punter Michael Sleep Dalton has won the starting job over last year's starter Colton Rastetter. And perhaps the biggest news this week was that wide receiver Oliver Martin has been granted immediate eligibility by the NCAA and Big Ten after transferring from Michigan. The Iowa City West standout will have three years of eligibility 
be left. In tidbits and nuggets, this will be the first time in history that Iowa has opened the season at Kinnick Stadium in a night game, and it almost certainly won't be the only game under the lights at home for the Hawkeyes this year. The most likely candidate right now is the Penn State game on October 12th. This Big Ten Mac contest will be televised on FS1 with announcers Brian Custer and Robert Smith. The game will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network and KRUI with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be on Satellite Radio, XM, and Sirius Channels 83. The honorary captain for Iowa is former Hawkeyes defensive back and longtime Oklahoma head coach Bob Stoops. Stoops lettered from 1979 to 1982. He ranks 48th in career tackles with 230 and 8 interceptions. He coached the Sooners for 18 seasons. He's the winningest coach there in program history with a record of 190 and 48, including winning the national title in 2000. The Miami Redhawks feature two players who transferred there from Iowa, both defensive backs, Manny Regumba, who will start the game, and his backup, Cedric Boswell. This will be the first game played on the newly installed field turf at Kinnick, and with the major North End renovation completed. Capacity at the stadium now going forward after that construction has been slightly reduced to 69,250. Iowa is one of just 15 college football teams to win at least eight games every year since 2015 and are 37 and 16 during that span. The Hawkeyes have played a total of 1,246 games since 1889. When they host the Minnesota Gophers on November 16th, it will mark the 130th anniversary of Iowa football. And one other note, Iowa is the only school in the nation to have had just two head football coaches since 1979, Kirk Ferentz and Hayden Fry. Great story, compelling and rich. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who provides his sense of the 2019 Miami-Ohio football team. A couple words about them. They finished last season with a 6-2 record in conference. Uh, they read uh, their 16-6 right now the last 22 games, which put, gives them the best record in the MAC over that time period. So they've done a lot of good things, and, and uh, I think they're a different team than last time we saw them in that uh, Coach Martin was trying to build his program back at that time, and I think they've uh, clearly established an identity and uh, done a lot of good things in their program. So like a lot of first games, there's a lot of variables, a lot of unknowns. You know, you never know what any opponent's going to do in the first game. They've got a lot of new players, just like we'll have new players. So, but both sides uh, are going to experience the same, you know, same same challenge that way. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a good football team and we're, we're really expecting a tough contest on uh, on Saturday night. Ference discusses at length some of the new rules changes this season in college football. We had the officials here a week ago Saturday. They came in and uh, clinicked our staff in the morning and then worked the scrimmage that day. And, you know, it continues to be a little bit confusing, a little bit, uh, you know, troublesome, I think, some of the rule changes that we look at every year. And uh, it didn't seem all that uh, uh, controversial this year, but I think 
it is kind of interesting. To me, we've gotten the target rule where it probably should be, be uh, after a couple of years. I think that's uh, made some, some uh, good gains. Uh, the blindside block is something new, and I haven't seen much NFL preseason games. I guess there's been a few calls uh, that have been a little bit questionable there, and I think it's a really tough rule for the officials to officiate. So, you know, I think we're all for player safety. Everybody is, but uh, this one's going to be, be one that we'll ride the roller coaster on a little bit just in terms of uh, the way it gets interpreted. I, can, I think you can anticipate that already. And you know, we saw that in our scrimmage uh, a week ago Saturday. And then probably the most confounding one is what they're, they're calling a wedge. And to me, it's a double team. To me, a wedge is what used to be on kickoffs, three guys or four guys adjoining. And, and that was a very dangerous play, uh, really not. I don't think it had a place in football, but we've taken uh, a step further now where even if you line up like it's uh, going to be a double team, they're going to call a penalty. And the most interesting part, they had seven illustrations, seven or eight on, on the tape, and there wasn't a collision on any one of the seven or eight that they showed. So uh, just kind of get, you know, you get curious about how they come up with some of these these uh, tweaks that they make to the uh, the rules. And, and my only concern is it just makes it really uh, a difficult job that the officials already have. It makes their jobs that much more difficult. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of years too. So, you know, I empathize with the guys that are working the games. They do a great job. They work extremely hard. And uh, I just, you know, I wish we'd quit making their jobs so difficult or so challenging. Kurt talks about his wide receiver and standout kick returner, Emir Smith-Marset. We've always liked Emir. Uh, that hasn't been the issue. It's just, you know, his work habits or practice habits uh, and, and just paying attention to certain details. But, you know, this, this is a, a transition for everybody that comes here, most everybody. You know, I'd say 98% of the guys that come in here have a lot of, either a lot of learning to do or some things to adjust that type of deal and uh, you know there are a lot of reasons for that so Amir's always been a great guy he's got a good uh, good football intellect he, he really is spirited and extremely likable and he works hard all those kinds of things so it's just a matter of like really I think uh, directing his his energies and focusing his energies a little bit better and that that's part of maturation every player goes through it and um, you know I guess if, if you're just talking in general terms to me once a player starts you know heading into their third year after they've been on campus for two years uh, you know if they're not really kind of you know getting getting the hang of the way uh, things need to be done, then, then you know you have some concerns. But but that being said, I've, I've seen players, and I, you know, I tell our guys all the time, I coached three guys in the 80s that didn't start until their senior years that all played in the NFL. Uh, so you just you know you just never know when a player is going to hit stride. But that being said, they have to be working hard, and they have to have a good attitude for that to happen. And then hopefully the football part works for them too. But yeah, so Amir's, you know, he's done a really good job. And uh, you know I, I couldn't be more complimentary of what he did during the summer. He was in tremendous condition, the best condition uh, we've seen him in and same thing during uh, practice over the last uh, three plus weeks he's really really doing a good job out there. Ferentz really likes his trio of running backs heading into the new season. It's really a good room and uh, it's funny I was walk, driving into work this morning heard somebody on the NFL Network talking about the the Patriots running back room and the guy whoever the the it was an expert guy uh, but he had played I guess in that division and followed that division pretty closely and, and went through the whole whole group of guys they have and it got me thinking about, about our room quite frankly I think we've got a really good room of backs right now. And Makai is a good place to start. Uh, it is a good story because he was not heavily recruited. I think uh, Louisville might have been sniffing around a little bit there about the same time we started getting interested in, uh, in him. The, the number one, one word I would use with him, he's very, been very appreciative of his opportunity here, you know, just to be in a uh, Big Ten program and to have an opportunity to get on the field and uh, work. He's a tremendous teammate. I would use the same word, word with Torin too. Torin's just been a guy that works hard. He's very appreciative of uh, the opportunities in front of him academically and athletically. And uh, both guys have improved a great deal. Like I, I really think they're, they were better players in the spring than they were last fall. And I think we've seen growth and improvement this uh, this August as well. So I'm really anxious to see a lot of our guys on the field just to see what they do in a game game atmosphere. And Kirk Ferentz reflects on his 
three-year starting quarterback, Nate Stanley, who heads into his senior season. You know, I think his game's pretty good right now, me personally, and uh, he's done it very quietly. Um, I'm kind of almost amused by it in some ways because he's, he's done some pretty pretty heady things in terms of statistics and what have you. But most importantly, he's been a really good leader. Uh, he's only the you know second guy going into his senior. He was a two-time captain in the history of the program. I think it's, it speaks volumes about him. I think the biggest thing he has to do this year is just, first of all, try to enjoy it, the fact that he's a senior. And, and then, you know, just go out and play the best he can play. He doesn't have to, to be John Elway or, you know, whomever, uh, name any great quarterback that's played before. He just has to go out and play his best. And if he does that, it, it'll be plenty good enough. I really believe that. Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Next, we hear from Miami head coach Chuck Martin, who likes the fall camp his team has had. We had a really nice fall camp. We have a great group of kids. I've said it over and over, just... uh, very unique, well-rounded kids that love football. They love to compete. They love to be coached. They, they love to get after each other, but they're really close. So it's been a blast. Spring ball is a blast. They did a great job this summer. And then all fall camp, our kids just compete, compete, and they learn. It doesn't matter what we're doing, lifting, uh, conditioning, stretching, watching tape, practicing. Uh, our kids really try to do everything at, at the highest level they can. So it, They've been, they've been awesome to be around, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the season. Martin was asked about the challenges Iowa poses in the season opening game. Start with their offense, you know, big and physical up front, like they always are. Um, standard Iowa team, they run the ball tremendously well. The amount of movement they get against Big Ten front sevens is pretty amazing uh, how well they run the ball against really, really physical defenses. Uh, the quarterback, senior, multiple-year starter, doesn't make mistakes. He's 6'4", 250. No one can sack him. He's got, you know, beyond NFL arm strength to make every throw, control the ball 80 yards down the field. Lots of lots of shot passes off their play actions, and they, he just does a really good job of managing the game. Lots of run check. They check. They see your pressure. They check to the right run against your pressure. Uh, offensively, run the ball. Throw the ball over your head. Don't turn it over. Led by a senior quarterback, they got some speed outside. So um, defensively, obviously, same thing. Physical up front. Just their, their defensive line probably as strong as anybody in the land. Uh, they don't give up anything rushing. Force you in a long yardage situation, and then they tee off by their third down pass rush is fantastic. And as usual, Iowa for years and years tremendously sound on defense. Not going to beat themselves. Always in good position. Always good block destructors. Always good tacklers. So just a really there's a reason they're ranked as high as they are. They're just a really, really, really good Big Ten football team. Martin says the previous experiences the Red Hawks have had on the road facing Big Ten and other major opponents will help heading into Saturday's game. And- at Kinnick. Yeah, you always try to draw on your experiences. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be an awesome venue. We were there three years ago. It was a day game. This is a night game, which only enhanced the environment and the excitement. So we had a we had a were treated very well the last time we were there. The the, the fans and everybody in the area were, were were really good people. So we're looking forward to the trip back. We know that we have a really strong opponent we're going against, but you know we get to play at seven o'clock against a Big Ten opponent in the top twenty team. Pretty awesome opportunity for our kids. And Chuck Martin talks about the expectations he has for his team in Saturday night's contest. 
mental and physical toughness, and then the ability to execute. Um, we're, you know, we may lose a few battles physically, which you're going to you, when you play a Big Ten opponent. Obviously, it's going to be a crazy physical game. I'm not not as concerned with with that. I'm concerned with how we execute on both sides of the ball. Do we make do we make Iowa earn whatever they get Saturday night? Make their offense earn. Let's not let's not have a bunch of mental errors. Let's not let's not have a bunch of easy physical errors of playing four technique and the same thing offensively. Make make Iowa defense earn whatever they get and make their special team. So mental and physical toughness. We we really grew in that area a year ago. We were as the year went on, we got stronger and stronger, and we we were we were a team that just kind of came and played for 60 minutes. Didn't really care much else, and we'd like to pick up where we left off there. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You can can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. Time now for our weekly reporter's notebook feature this week with John Bonenkamp. John is the newest member of the Hawkeyes Mike team. He's an award-winning sports writer. He's heading into his sixth season covering University of Iowa football. He's covered Iowa basketball for the last 26 years. And he's won 17 top 10 awards in the Associated Press Sports Editors Writing Contest, along with six top fives in the United States Basketball Writers Association. He's a graduate of Iowa School of Journalism and Mass Communication, and John will be covering Iowa football, plus men's and women's basketball for Hawkeyes Mike. You can read John's articles online at HawkeyesMike.com and on his blogs, and you can follow John on Twitter at John Bonenkamp. John reflects on the 2018 season for Iowa, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's Iowa-Miami game at Kinnick Stadium under the lights, and plus we talk some Big Ten. John, it's a privilege to have you join Hawkeyes guys Mike for the 2019 football season and hopefully beyond and we'll look forward to your contributions both your blog posts and your Tuesday and game day reporting and uh, some podcasting activity as well but let's start right now it's the opening game of the 2019 season Iowa coming off a nine and four season five and four in the Big Ten Miami Ohio six and six last year but six and two in the Mac and while they struggled their first three games offensively their last three they put up a ton of points. But before we get to the Iowa-Miami matchup, do you have uh, a few seconds of reflections on the 2018 season? You know, I... <laughs> 
people kind of looked at it as maybe a disappointment. I, I looked at it, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I mean, it was, I mean, I had that team pegged as an eight and four team and, and, and really in the end, that's, you know, I mean, they had their opportunities obviously to, to get, you know, some more wins there in the regular season. And if they do that, maybe they're playing in Indianapolis, but I mean, that, that season was just exactly what, what I expected. And then they go to Tampa to the Outback Bowl, you know, and, and which was a good game, a good win or, or a really good Mississippi State team. And so I think that kind of set up, you know, what kind of where we're leading into this year. I mean, I think they, they took some momentum away from that of the way they finished. And, you know, I but but yet, you know, like I said, I think it kind of set the stage for some players at the end of last season and some and some schemes too with the way they adjusted their defense you know to to do the you know with the cash position and some things like that so I think a lot of how that season ended has kind of built towards what we're going to see here early in the season with some with some new guys and some new positions but but I I think some guys last year that got some playing time late that are really going to step up and play well. Turning now to the Iowa-Miami matchup Iowa lost some key players on both offense and defense and those guys are going to be playing on Sundays this season so it's a matter of replacing the lost productivity especially on Iowa's offense from the tight end position looking at the offense this year I think most people are expecting the wide receiver core to kind of pick up a lot of that lost productivity from the tight ends and of course we got great news if you're an Iowa fan this week in terms of the NCAA and the Big Ten granting immediate eligibility for Oliver Martin and all of a sudden what looked like a a pretty promising wide receiver core looks like right now a very promising wide receiver group oh yeah I mean I I think this was going to be a good group whether he you know whether he was going to be there or whether he wasn't and you know that's what I said last week on 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 another podcast we were talking about this and I said if he doesn't play it isn't the end of the world but he's going to play now and so now that adds another dimension to that passing game the passing game was going to involve anyway I mean you you have some receivers you know in Brandon Smith and in, in, in Amir Smith Marset, who are now older, and and now they've got a couple of years in this offense, and now they've you know they've gotten kind of that 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 you know that that adjustment period now is is long gone in their careers. So I think you you were going to see an adjustment in the passing game anyway, from the tight ends to the wide receivers, and and which will allow these tight ends you know kind of to to work their own you know get their own experience now. But now you add a, you add a fifth option, and you add a really good option, and you. Add had an experienced option. And so it will be interesting to see here now. I know he's been working with the ones in, 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 in practice, but I think now, you know, okay, let's see how this passing game evolves here in the first couple of weeks of the season with him in there, because I do think that is just going to be one more option, you know, where you can now play three wide receivers and when you can do some different things. And so I, I think it just gives them one more weapon at that spot. And while Iowa lost its starting tight ends, there's some talent there and some experience. You've got Nate Weeding and Sean Byer and Drew Cook finally looks like he's going to get some playing time as well. Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, think back, we didn't know a lot about TJ Hawkinson and I mean, you know, and then look at how he emerged. And so, I mean, you, you've got some talented you got some talented tight ends right now that we don't know a whole lot about. And, and some of them have gotten a little bit of playing experience. So, I mean, it's not like they're coming in they've, and they've never played in the game. But I, I think that, that, you know, with what they have at the wide receiver group, you're going to allow these guys to kind of develop. And, and, and I think, again, that's what September is going to be about for these guys. You know, learning, you know, learning game speed, that sort of thing blocking which is so important in, in 
Iowa's offense for the tight end. So, you know, you're going to kind of, the pressure isn't really on them here in the first few weeks. But I do think they're going to try to implement, you know, try to get them involved early in, in some of these games just to get them, you know, get the nerves out of the way and, and, and just kind of get them involved early. So I think maybe that's, you might see that a little bit on Saturday where they throw to them early just to just to get it out of the way and get them going. Yeah, back to the wide receivers for a moment. The coaches have been saying nice things for uh, several months now about the two newcomers in the wide receiver core that Iowa fans are going to get to see uh, a fair amount of action for the first time, and that's Tyrone Tracy Jr. and uh, Nico Reganey. Yeah, and again, speed guys. And I mean, we, we saw them a little bit, you know, in, 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 the, in the spring and there. And, and so I, I, there's a lot of optimism there. And like I said, that, that group is really deep now. I mean, when you think back to last year, I mean, you, you, you had a couple of guys with experience, but you had a lot of unknowns. Well, you know, now, now everybody's got some more experience now. And so I think that's why, you know, again, I think that's why that group is going to be better. And then, and then again, you add Oliver Martin, who is an experienced player, and that group just is so much better, I think. Look at the running backs for Iowa. It's running back by committee again, and quite a bit of experience in that position. And, and Mackay Sergeant Torin Young and Ivory Kelly Martin, and, a, and at least a couple of those guys, especially Sergeant, can play out in the slot as well. Yeah, and I think they will incorporate that more. I mean, and it, and and they talked, and, and Kirk talked a little bit, and I know that there's been some talk during the, the preseason about the freshman running backs. And so I think maybe some of those guys get an opportunity. But I do think it's going to be Makai Sargent and Torn Young. I think that's your that's your core right now. Those are going to be the guys, I think, that get the most carries. They, they each bring something a little bit different, but they're power backs. I mean, they're, they're, they're some, I mean, there's speed there, obviously, but I mean, these guys are powerful running backs. And, you know, Makai Sargent just got better last year as the season went on. You can tell. So now, now he's a year older. I mean, I think Torn Young maybe, you know, probably could have gotten a few more carries last year. So now, now he becomes a, an integral part of this defense, of this offense. So I mean, I, I do think that yeah, you're going to see some different ones, but I think you're going to see guys that that really can run the ball well. The key to me is is how they're going to be up front, and you know what what that interior line is going to look like. You know, if if they can be as good as what I think they can be, then this can be a really good running game. It's clear the Hawkeyes want to emphasize or reemphasize the running game this season. They've talked about it since the end of last year. The 2018 season wasn't really stat-wise, certainly wasn't close to what you would expect from a typical Iowa running game perspective. Also interesting to listen to some of the Miami defensive players talk about they expect Iowa to just try to run it down their throats in the more old-school power approach. I'm not sure that's exactly what they're going to see Saturday, but it is clear Iowa wants to reemphasize the running game at least uh, in terms of a balance perspective oh yeah I mean I because I mean I think one sets up the other and and I think you know and that's when and there was the discussion on Tuesday with the players and they talked about how the running backs in in the room when they've been when they've been breaking down tape it's not only about learning their position but they wanted them to learn what the offensive linemen do you know where where they go on certain plays and it was and it was for an understanding of this running game a, a little deeper than I think some of these guys have gotten here in the last year or two and and the players I'll talk about it's made them better running backs and I mean I think there is an emphasis they want some bigger running plays they don't want the two yards a game they want four or five they want you know they want to pound the ball if they're going to do that but they also want to get a lot of yards out of it so 
I think there's been a, a concentration here, especially in the offseason, especially in August, on learning the entire offense for running back so you know where the blocks are, you know where the holes are, that sort of thing. And I think it's, it's they even both running backs, Mackay Sargent and Torn Young, talked about this on Tuesday. It's made them better running backs. And so I think maybe you're going to see that here in game one and game two you know, a better a better recognition of where they need to go and, and that sort of thing. And and so I think that that is going to make this a better running game. Quarterback, Iowa's about as experienced as it's uh, been in quite a while and certainly one of the most experienced positions in the entire Big Ten Conference with Nate Stanley, who returns and has a chance to set all kinds of school records this year, barring something unforeseen. Yeah, I mean, think about this. I mean, and, and there, was a, there was a good story in Sports Illustrated in their college football preview about all the changes around the country in quarterbacks that, you know, guys transferring, you know, that, that don't win the job and all that. And you think about Iowa's going into its third year with a starter. And, I mean, it's it's kind of rare to see that anymore. And so I think that, I think what you're seeing with him is, is a gradual, I mean, you've, you've seen a, a really a gradual progression in his career. And you look at his numbers, and, and I mean, it just really is impressive what he's done. And, and yet, I think some Iowa fans look at it, and, and, and they, they, they're not sure he's really a good quarterback. And I'm like, come on, how do you – just look at the numbers. Just look at the way he's thrown the ball. He's gotten better with the deep ball. He's gotten better with recognizing defenses. And that's something, you know, the Brian Ferentz talked about at Media Day, that Ken O'Keefe talked about Media Day. He's just so good. And, and I mean, I, I think, you know, he's so good but so unassuming – and you, 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 you know, I mean, think about it. At the end of the day, you look at his stats and you're like, he had a really good game. And so I think that's the way he's going to be this year. I think he's just going to be as steady as he's been in his first couple of years, steady and getting better. And so I think, I think he's going to have a really good season. Listening to him from media day on right up to this week, he's really talked a lot about the increased comfort level he has with a wide receiver group, too. And I mean, again, that goes back to, you know, what we were, what I was saying earlier about the experience now you know he's now had two years working with some of these guys and and so now they kind of know each other now they really know where to get the ball where where he want where they want the ball where he can get them the ball and again so I, I think they've all kind of grown together and that's why I think this is going to be a much better passing game this year because I think I think all those guys are going to get involved and he knows them very well. A little bit of news that came out of Kirk's Tuesday presser was the fact that uh, Iowa has a new number two quarterback, at least for the moment, and that would be Spencer Petras, who has taken that position over apparently from Peyton Manziel. Yeah, I, I found that interesting, but but then you know Kirk kind of couched that as well. It could still change this week, so I, I think there probably isn't a lot of difference between the two. And and I, I you know it, it, the story that is going to be amazing to watch once this season ends is who wins that job. And so I think that's why you know he kind of said he was number two, but then kind of couched it with, well, you know, it can change. I think he's kind of kicking that can down the road. I don't think he wants to make somebody, but. You know, you're, you may need a number two at some point this year, and so I, I think you know he, like I said, they may be they may be number twos, but I think you know might be two A and two B, and so so I mean you, I, I I just think that 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 position is that that's part of the depth chart is going to be kind of fluid from week to week because I think they're both pretty much neck and neck at this point. Right, and your comment about they may need a number two, you never know what can happen on any yes. given play. There's an injury, yep. then you have a new number one and a new number 
number two, at least until yeah. that, that situation is resolved. Of course, there were some wags among the media Tuesday after the press conference talking about semi-joking, but given everything that goes on in college football today, talking about Mansell heading to the transfer portal. But oh, we're yeah. Pro- we're probably a little premature to be talking about that before the first game of the season. And that's why I think Kirk kind of couched that with, you know, hey, there's still a competition there. And, you know, and I and I think, you know, I think both of them, I, I mean, you know, like I said, it's going to be really interesting a year from now to see what we're talking about when it comes to quarterbacks. But, you know, I, I like I said, he plays, I think maybe within the room, both those guys have been told, look, you, you're both going to get some opportunities here. It's just a question of maybe who can step up, you know, maybe about midseason, who can, you know, kind of do the things. But because you, there is that danger. Obviously, that that you know, I mean, and go back to my conversation what I said earlier about you know the transfers around the country. There is that danger that one of them walks out the door because they know that there's a competition coming, and you know somebody is a number two. So, so that's why I think that, that that you know, I mean, yeah, maybe they they do say okay if on this day something happens to Nate Stanley this guy goes in maybe a game from now it might be somebody else you know so you just don't know and I think that's why they want to keep that competition going all through the year because they want it to then continue into the offseason. And the old cliche in football is it always starts up front and it's a cliche yes. for a reason because it's usually true and Iowa <laughs> has probably two of the best tackles in college football in the nation. Oh yeah I mean you know, it was funny when we were talking about I was talking about this with somebody the other day you know we talk about Iowa's offensive line and then the tackles they have but you're not quite sure how that entire line is going to work because you don't know how the interior is going to be so they're really good on the outside I mean there's no doubt about that I mean when you think about the protection that Nate Stanley gets from those two tackles and these are guys that are already in that NFL conversation the key to me is is again what what those three interior positions are going to look like and I, I think there's talented guys there it's just there's a lot of inexperience you know how does that group work together and I think that's something to watch on Saturday is is how they work together and, and, and do the things that they need to do because this may be the interior of the line all year unless there's an injury. So, you know, this is this this group's going to grow, and I think it may, there may be some rough spots early on. Yeah, one of the rarities here, I, I suspect it's happened somewhere else before. I don't think it's ever happened for Iowa, is you have a set of twins starting in yeah. two guard positions with the Landon and Levi Paulson. But one of the more interesting stories on Iowa's offensive line since spring has been the conversion of Tyler Linderbaum from Solon from the defensive line to the center position and everybody says reports are he's doing a very nice job this is a guy i mean this to me, he is i think really the key to how that line is going to be this year because that's such an important position and this is a guy as you said transferring from one side to the other and so if he can make the adjustment and i think he can i mean i don't think he i don't think he would be in there if he wasn't able to do it but i i think if he can make that adjustment to that position and be as dominant as some of iowa's centers have been in the past, then this becomes a very good offensive line because that makes everybody around him better. And so, I mean, really, uh, uh, he's the key part of this line. I, I think, you know, if he can if he can step in and be as good as, as advertised, then I think this could be a very good line. Turning to uh, Miami's defense, they're relatively experienced. They returned seven starters from last season. Uh, they gave up an average of about 208 yards in total offense in 2018. It's a, you know, Miami as a whole is a team that most Iowa fans 
don't know a lot, but they've got uh, a couple of really solid uh, players, one on the line and, and a safety, and then they have two Iowa transfers and Manny Ragamba and Cedric Bos- Boswell at cornerback. I wish I, you know, I, again, it's an interesting twist to this game. And and so I, I think for, for, you know, for Iowa offensively, for, I mean, you know, Nate Stanley was throwing against Manny Ragamba. So he's going to know what he can do. And so you kind of, I mean, when you have that kind of familiarity with defense, because first games are always about, you know, you don't know some things about your opponent, but when you can kind of have an idea on some guys on that side of the line, uh, I think it helps. So, yeah, it's an interesting story. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the guy transfers in the first game of the next season's here. So, you know, I mean, that, that'll be something to watch on Saturday. You know, watch how he plays, watch how they go at him, or if they don't go at him. You know, I mean, that, that to me is one of the storylines. How do they, how do they play against him knowing him, you know, knowing how he is, how do they play against him and what do they do? You also wonder in these situations, you know, has the Miami coaching staff kind of tried to pick Ragamba's brain and Bob oh, sure. for that matter about Iowa's offense, although I think most of us are expecting Iowa's offense to be a little bit different this season. Right, but I, I mean, I, I do think, you know, in Ragamba's case, he knows these guys. You know, I mean, he's played with them, he's played against them, he he knows a lot of their characteristics, and so I mean, I think that's that, that really kind of helps a defense, you know, especially in the first game of the year. You know, you, you, yeah, you've got a lot of tape on some of these guys, but there's some, there's some intricate details that maybe he can tell them about. And so, I mean, that's, that, that's a dynamic to this game that you don't often get in first games. And then, so I, that, again, like I said, I think it's going to be interesting on Saturday to see how they attack him and, and, and then what maybe they do defensively against Iowa that maybe he's kind of tipped them off about. The other two defensive players, probably for fans to keep their eyes on a second team all Mac last year, a defensive tackle, Doug Costin, and their top tackler returning from last season, safety number three, Mike Brown. Yeah, and again, I mean, I, again, that's why I think when you've got some of that experience in that middle, that's going to be important, I think, for Iowa is, in terms of, of how they run the ball. You know, and, and again, again, if they, you know, if, if again, that that's why this game, I think a lot of this is going to be on that interior of the line, how they handle that front of, of Miami's and, and, and if they can run the ball consistently which I think they're going to want to do. So it's early. It's first game, obviously. Any sense of who has the edge in this matchup, Iowa's O versus Miami's D? I think it's Iowa's offense. I mean, I, I just think that, that a lot of these guys have been together for so long, and I think they know each other. And again, we go back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of the of the tackles. And I mean, that's good protection for Nate Stanley on the outside. Um, you know, I think they'll be able to do a lot of things on Saturday. I think they'll be able to throw the ball. I think they'll be able to, to run the ball consistently to where they can control it. I think I think that's why this offense controls the game on Saturday. Let's flip the card over, look at the matchup between Iowa's defense and Miami's offense. And well, again, as we mentioned earlier, the Hawkeyes D lost some key players to the NFL and just a graduation. But man, you look at Iowa's defensive line, let's start right there. And while there's a lot of focus on a person to be named in a moment, they've got some pretty decent defensive linemen in China. Chauncey Golston and backup John Wagoner from Des Moines. We'll see him for the first time this year. And Amani Jones has made the switch from linebacker to end. And now the probably the person who some people even think might end up on a Heisman watch list if he has a year that many expect, and it might be his last year in a Hawkeye uniform, A.J. Epinesa. Yeah, think about his numbers last year, and then think about how much he didn't play. And, you know, and so I think he's going to get a lot more snaps this year. He's not going to be out there on every down. 
but but I mean he's going to get a lot more snaps. And the one thing that has really impressed me is you get fans that okay they clamor for him. Why isn't he playing more and all that? And when you talk to him, whether it was during the spring, during the little summer availability, you know, during media day, this, the answer was still the same. He knows he was not ready as as physically gifted as he is. He was not ready to play on a regular basis because he had trouble with the run. He had trouble, you know, there were some things there that he needed to work on. I think now he's a complete player. And I think that makes him where, I mean, I know that Iowa likes to rotate that that defensive line. I know they like to have eight guys that they can shuttle in and out. He's going to play a lot this year. He's not going to be an 80 snaps a game guy, but I think he's going to be in the 50s now. And I think that just those numbers are just going to grow. And I think it, it's going to get to the point where, where offenses will just try to go away from him because he is so good at what he does. And so I think, I think you know, again, we've seen, spur, we've seen bursts of this all year. Now we're going to see the entire package. Of yeah, sitting in the press box last season, watching him play and some of the beast mode plays he made, you know, we're all supposed to be quiet up there. But right. you, you would hear gasps from yeah. the media on some of the plays. Plays Epinesa made last season. I expect we'll see more of those this year. And then, man, you've got a couple of really good tackles. Cedric Lattimore had a great season. Uh, and now everybody's raving. We're finally going to get to see on the field Davion Nixon. And I think I think he may be the, the emerging star of this defensive line. Um, because I, I think, you know, this was a guy, and I mean, because I, I think I think off the field he's got everything figured out. And I mean, you know, I mean, there, there was, you know, his name comes up, you know, as, as maybe leaving you know, and, and, and now I think he's comfortable and everybody, you know, I mean, everybody has really raved about how he's played and if he's comfortable and if he's relaxed and if he can just play the game, he's, he's a, he's a very impressive defensive talent. And so I, I think, I think this year they're going to be really good on that interior of, of the defensive line. And, and, and I think he's going to have a big season because if there's going to be a rotation, I think it's going to be among those, those four on the inside. And I, I think he's going to get a lot of snaps and I think he's He's going to be very good. Of course, I was switched pretty much to this hybrid style defense now and kind of mixes the linebackers up a little bit in the Leo Cash position. And I know you and I both had the opportunity about a month and a half or so ago to spend a couple of hours in a in a small room with Iowa defensive coordinator Phil Parker. And we joked about it since I did anyway. It's like I don't do math well. Phil Parker's mind is um, incredible, I guess I'll use that term. And, and, and listening to him talk that day it was pretty amazing stuff and the way he tried to explain this new hybrid defense well and, and I mean it's it's an evolution it's an evolution of the game and you know you're seeing this around the country now you're seeing a lot of teams that have gone to the three four for example because they want to get more athletes on the field because this game has become more of a high speed game and so for Iowa to, to go from a four three to yeah they don't want to say it's necessarily like like a Four two five, but it is. I mean, they want to get a, you know, they 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 want to get somebody who can be in that safety linebacker hybrid or a corner linebacker hybrid, which is you know a fascinating thing. So you're getting your best players on the field, 
And so I think, you know, and we learned that that day, that, that Phil Parker has, has evolved this defense. And, and so I, I think, you know, again, go back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago with Amani Jones up front. You know, this is a guy that was a linebacker last year. Well, now you're using him as a stand-up end. You know, so there's an evolution to this defense of getting the best athletes on the field because what you're getting from the offense is a, is a high-speed game. So you're going to have to counter that somehow. So talking about that, Amani Hooker played that cash position last year and, you know, has, has cashed it in into some right. big, big money in the exactly. NFL. Well, right now you're looking at D.J. Johnson. A lot of talk about him, Barrington Wade there. There's uh, some experience in the linebacker core with Christian Welch in the middle, Jimon Colbert out there as well. But Iowa, while it lost the safeties, it's got Geno Stone back there. It's, it's got experience at both corner positions in Ojemudia and Hankins. And again, you're older. A lot of these guys are a year older, and and you saw some guys at the end of you know midway through last year. I mean, you saw some freshmen out there. Well, now those guys are a little older. So, um, you know, I I think again, kind of like the receivers, you're seeing that position now. The experience is going to now kind of step in, and some of these guys that 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 got hurt last year on on some big plays now have kind of figured it out. So I do think they're going to be better. Def- they're going to be better on the back end of that defense just from the experience factor that these guys have taken some lumps. And I, I think they've learned from that. And I think because you, you can kind of even see it at the end of last season that, that they've kind of figured it out. So, again, I think there's an evolution there. There's a growth in that in, a, in those two positions. And I just think they're going to be better back there. The Hawkeyes led the Big Ten and were second in the nation last year with 20 picks. So there's a lot to live up to. But, oh, yeah. you know, I think that had also a lot to do, not just with the talent, but as you've and I've been discussing the, the evolved defense. So if you look at Miami's offense now, they return three offensive line starters and that's probably their good news they've got a, a wide receiver running back who's pretty special uh, Maurice Thomas they've got a, another wide receiver Jack Sorensen who who led the team in receptions last year but they have lost their three-year starting quarterback and they have three guys who've combined not thrown a single pass in college football at quarterback yeah and, I, and that's again another interesting dynamic to this game you don't don't know who's going to be out there and you have no idea what they're going to do and so I think for for defensive planning purposes you know it does kind of change your game a little bit but I, I think maybe the best way you approach it then if is, is just do your thing you know don't worry about who's who's running the offense just do your thing and and then make adjustments during the game the key will be what you see early on you know who who starts for them how much they really do use all three of these guys because I, I can't see them rotating and maybe and maybe they will. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but even though, I mean, they're saying this, but eventually they're going to have to find a hot hand at that position. So if you're Iowa, you want to do everything you can every time those guys are in the game, but there's a passing situation to go after them, rattle them and, and try to make plays. You know, it can be, a, like I said, it can be a, a detriment to not know anything about them. That's why I think you just want to do your thing, control that game, control the front, you know, and then, and then worry about getting after the quarterback. And I think that's what they'll do on Saturday. Yeah, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, and a true freshman, Blaine Gabbert's little brother, Brett. Yeah, so I mean, I think that these guys are probably pretty good, but, you know, now you're putting them under the lights, you know, in front of, you know, 60-some thousand people, and so the, what you want 
to do is rattle them as as much as you can, you know, throw throw a lot of confusing looks at them. And I think that's probably what the game plan is. It isn't so much what they can do, it's what you can do against them. It's tough to run against Iowa's defense in almost yeah. any circumstance. And they can't really rely on experience at running back either because they replace, they have to replace their two leading running backs from last season. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, you can, you can really do some things to them early on that, that sets them back on their heels. And if you can do that, you can pretty much control the game. And so I think that's, watch Iowa's defense, you know, in the first few series and see what they do, you know, how much they disguise things and, and, and do some different things. I think that's probably been the, the talk in the room all week is seeing what you can do creatively to really throw them off. Yeah, they do have a really nice tight end, uh, number 46, Andrew Homer, who had a pretty productive last season. So at 6'6", you know, he's a kind of a guy maybe he could have played at Iowa this season. Who knows? And that's a, yeah, and that's a good test for the linebackers. You know, I mean, it, it gives you, and, it, and it's a good test for that cash position to see how they kind of handle a, a, a really good tight end early in the season. Edge here, who has it? Iowa's defense or Miami's offense? I think Iowa's defense because, like I said, I think they're gonna they're cooking up something right now that that's gonna really throw them off because they know they can do that. I mean, you've got guys that have absolutely no experience, so you can really mess with them. And I think I think Iowa's defense controls this game. Let's uh, take a moment. Special teams. Most interesting thing for the Hawkeyes here is they have a new starting punter and grad transfer Michael Sleep Dalton. He's apparently beat out Colton Rastetter in camp. A lot of us feel, I certainly do, that Rastetter probably cost Iowa at least a game or two last season. He was very inconsistent, especially deep in Iowa's own territory and in pressure situations. So I think most of us feel, and, and Sleep Dalton's stats are uh, significantly yeah. better than Rastetter's. And if you make 10, 15 yards difference, you know, in drives, that's a huge difference. Sure it is. And I mean, it really, I mean, Iowa did, there were times last year where they just didn't win that field position battle. And, you know, their game is, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a running, you know, that kind of derisive joke about, you know, how much a punter is so important to Iowa. Well, he is. And, and, and I mean, so, I mean, it, 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 you want to be able to control field position. And so when you've got a guy with a big leg that, that has some really good numbers with experience, you're going to use that guy. And so, yeah, 10 to 15 yards can make a big deal of difference sometimes. And it's not just that. It can also be directional kicking, you know, and, and, and pinning, you know, teams down. And, and that's why I think this was probably the best choice. I mean, you kind of knew this guy wasn't coming here to, to not punt. So he, I think he came here and won this job, and I think he was just that much better. Yeah, the other interesting thing that happened uh, towards the end of last season, I and I recall especially a player or two in the Northwestern game was, you know, Iowa went to that that kind of rollout rugby-style punt mm-hmm. with Rastetter quite a bit, I think in part because, you know, he was having consistency problems with a more traditional punt. And, and you know, a couple of teams towards the end of last year figured out how to cut that punt off further right. up field and that really hurt the Hawks so anyway be I, I think definite improvement there place kicker you know you're looking at two guys who have almost no experience in uh, Caleb Shudak and Keith Duncan Duncan of course played had some experience but hasn't played much the last right. couple of years they're listed as an or I don't know uh, what fans can expect out of that position this year you know I, I I found it interesting because I mean you think back a couple of years ago you know Keith Duncan with the with the big kick against Michigan 
And, you know, and then, but yeah, we haven't heard a lot from him in the last couple of years. So I, I do think they're both going to get an opportunity, but I, I also think at some point you have to decide on that, on that position. I mean, I, I, you just have to, you just can't keep putting different guys in. So, I mean, it'll be curious to see, you know, where we're at with this position, you know, at the end of the month, you know, who, who, who has gotten the most opportunities and who's, you know, who's been the most accurate in game situations, because I do think you have to find one. And so I, I I think that's probably a, something to watch this month, but but really, I right now I don't think there's much difference between the two, and I mean that's why they're the that's why they're the or on the on the depth chart. Real strength for Iowa's special teams, kick returns. Amir Smith Marset last year led the Big Ten and was second in the country. He averaged 29.5 yards on kick returns. He was a huge difference maker in field position often in almost every game last season, and one would expect to see more of that this year. Yeah, and, and and now he's on the punt, you know, now he's now he's gonna be returning punts. So to me that's a sign that they really trust him. And and, and I think this was talked Kirk talked about a little bit on, on Tuesday. They now trust him in that situation. And especially the punt returns that you know, I mean you you have to have a lot of trust in your guy back there. So I mean obviously he has found he has found a niche within the special teams and they're gonna use his talents and, and, and I mean and so I mean I, I think that's gonna be something really kind of fun to watch because I think he can be a break, you know, a game breaker and, and somebody to get them big yards and, and get you good field position on, on kickoffs and punts. There'll be two people back on almost every kick return as Ivory Kelly Martin and Kirk mentioned Nico Regani and Max Cooper, both as additional possible punt returners. So anyway, that's a strength of the team. Special teams for Miami, they've got a very experienced place kicker and Sam Sloman, who's in the record books there a lot. And they, they also have a very good kick returner in Maurice Thomas. Yeah, and so I mean that's why I, I think you know we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about special teams. I know I know they talked a little bit you know the other day about you know some of the freshman running backs doing some work on special teams. You know I I, I think that's always been a, a good position for Iowa or good a good position group for Iowa, and I it allows them to get some guys on the field to you know do some things and go back to what we were talking about with kickoff returns with Ivory Kelly Martin. He may not get a lot of carries this year at running back. So okay now you use him in that situation and you use him in, 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 a, in a kick return situation. I think Iowa's got the edge there on Saturday. I think that's just a really good a really good matchup for them in, in the way, because I, I, I think like I said, we'll go back to what we said, I think Iowa is going to punt the ball better, and I, I, I just think they're going to be better overall in, in special teams. Just some quick uh, Big Ten talk before we get your prediction on the Iowa-Miami game. All 14 Big Ten teams open the season this week. Starts Thursday. To me, there's two games, uh, that, of course, other than Iowa-Miami, that Iowa fans are interested in. There's two games that are, are are very interesting in the Big Ten, especially on Saturday, you have Northwestern playing out at Stanford, and on Friday night, Wisconsin at South Florida. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, you know, getting the Friday night game, and, and you know, great great opportunity for teams. And, you know, and I mean, it's it, it'll be interesting. It, you're talking about the Northwestern game, for example, you're talking about playing, you know, at, you know, on the West Coast for your opener. You know, I mean, I think there are teams that are challenging each they're getting some challenges early in the season. And those two games, I think, maybe will give Iowa fans some idea about what 
they're going to be seeing in the West Division this year because they're both playing good teams. So, um, you know, those are games to watch, like you said, on Saturday because I, I think they're, they're opportunities. You're going to get an idea on what you're going to get in the division and because you're going to see how those teams handle those kind of challenges. Okay, back to this game, 2019 season opener. Iowa Hawkeyes under the lights in their season opening game for the first time in history against Miami, Ohio from the MAC. What's your prediction here? You know, I, I think Iowa's defense controls this game. I see it being like, tw- I'm, I'm going to go with 28-6. I know the line's 21, so I'll, 21.5, so I'll say Iowa 28-6. I mean, I, I think they get a lot of points early and then just get this offense out of the game and get ready for next week. You know, I, I think Iowa's defense just really doesn't let Miami get anything going offensively, so I'm going to go Iowa 28-6. The after party is the one you want to attend. Stay thirsty, my friends. Thanks to John Bonenkamp. We look forward all season long to his contributions to Hawkeyes Mike. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are now available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Apple's Podcasts, Overcast, TuneIn, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 13 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.